All right, my guest today on the A Game Podcast is Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo. He is known as one of the top construction consultants in the country, has made a name for himself in the Chicago area, and he retired from a contractor and now is doing consulting full-time to bridge the gap between investors and contractors, which I tell everybody, if you have not had a problem with a contractor yet, you have not done enough real estate yet. So there's a huge need out there for this. People have literally lost their shirts, their savings, fortunes have been lost, um, relationships have been broken. I mean, problems with contractors and contractors, problems with investors, it does go both, both ways, are a massive problem in the real estate industry. Everybody's dealt with it at some point. And I think the service he's doing out here to really bridge that gap and bring them together is helping both sides of that. And I'm really excited to have him on to talk about this because I think this is a lesson and an episode that everybody needs to listen to, whether you are on the construction side or you're just on the real estate side as an investor, as a real estate agent, as a wholesaler, whatever it is, understanding this better is only going to help you make you a better investor or better at your craft or better in your field. So definitely take a look. Um, we're going to give you some ways to keep in touch with him. I'll look at his boot camp. And he drops just a ton of, of uh, great nuggets and great information on this. And I like his approach too. He's a very straightforward guy, takes no crap, just tells it like it is. So, um, you know, I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. There's not a lot of fluff in here at all. He gets right to the point, doesn't really waste his words. And, uh, you know, I got a lot out of it. So I appreciate him coming out. I appreciate you guys listening. As always, if you're looking to get involved in real estate, go to nicknicknick.com. You can also go to nicknicknick.com slash links and find all the ways to connect with me on social media and all the ways to subscribe to this podcast. So please, please subscribe to this podcast. It really helps, especially if you guys like and review it, leave comments, all those kind of things. It's on YouTube as well if you want to watch it. All the links for all that are on there. And again, if we put together a very nice checklist for you guys, it is ways to provide value to your buyers and your clients. If you are a wholesaler, a real estate investor, or even a real estate agent, this is a free checklist that we put together for ways to build more value in yourself so you have more value to your clients and they're more inclined to want to work with you because it's ways that you can make yourself uh, just a little bit, a little bit go the extra mile and see some things you can do on flips and on cash flow to provide a service and obviously locked it in. So I've used it for myself and it just helps separate you from the crowd. So if you guys want to jump on, it's a limited time free on nicknick.com slash bigger pockets. And as always check out the affiliates link and get naked warrior recovery CBD at a discounted price owned by William Braddon, Navy SEAL hailing out of Hawaii, good quality product helping with all the inflammation that has been going on in my body for years of trying to lift weights and not be fat from all the drive-thrus I go through and uh, years of just getting beat up at jiu-jitsu and boxing. CBD has been a miracle drug for me. So check out Nick, 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 Nick.com slash links, Nick, Nick, Nick.com slash bigger pockets. And then check the show notes for all the ways you can connect with Ryan, Roddy Garcilazzo on his rehab a boot camp coming up, the rehab depot, all the things he's doing. Check it out, reach out. Let's get you into some deals. Whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or partner up, go on that nicknicknick.com slash link site. Find a way to connect with me, whether it's on social media or booking an appointment. But either way, let's get you into some real estate. Let's find a way to work together. It's time. Check it out. Have a great day. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands, people that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. 
All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast is Mr. Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo. He is coming in hot with one of probably the most helpful topics and the most questionable topics as far as contractors. I don't know a single real estate investor that has not had an issue with a contractor. Every time I tell them, uh, if you have not had an issue with the contractor yet, you just have not done enough real estate yet. So the service you're providing and what you do and what you're bringing to help investors is absolutely something that is way overdue, has huge value. And I'm really excited to have you on today to talk about it. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Ryan Roddy. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, really, really excited to have you on, man. I've been following you on social media for a long time. I've been watching the videos and stuff you're posting. Obviously, I'll, I'll tell people where to go find you and drop those links and stuff. But uh, if you could just give a quick 30,000 foot view on a little bit of who you are, and then we can dig really deep into this. Awesome. Well, I'm a contractor by trade. Been doing this for a very long time. Put thousands of homes, made millions of mistakes. And then we decided that as contractors, I learned a lot of my clients, man. The investors, of course, they, they struggle with construction. They struggle with... Um, Dealing with contractors, they, they struggle with budgets and scopes of work and anything related to remodeling and renovation. So we decided that we would take our expertise and go into project management. From there, we went into consulting. From consulting, we built an academy, and here we are. I love it, man. The Rehab Depot is something that I'm really excited about. Obviously, I jumped in. That's kind of how we started connecting. I'll be taking yeah. that training. We'll talk a lot about that. But I wanted to ask your opinion on a few things, one of them being it seems like GCs and contractors in construction it seems to be the biggest reason where people get burned or their biggest fears as far as um as far as that goes so from the gc side how do you look at an investor like when they're you know because i know like we've talked about it before but you see that there's there's people that take classes or they watch youtube and then they go out into the real world and they start calling these contractors and they get a completely different response so through your eyes being that prior to doing the investing side you were the contractor side talk a little bit about how to sound credible and how to make yourself a priority to a contractor and some of the things that most investors do wrong? That's actually a really good question. So I actually just did a video this morning that's on social media now about production phase. And the reason why that's significant with what you're asking Are you there? is because at the end of the day, for an investor to be taken seriously by a contractor, at least a really good contractor, you want, ideally- I lost you, my dude. What's that? No worries, no worries. Cool. So the idea with what you said is actually perfect because I just did a video this morning called, talking about the production phase, which is preparing for construction. I think single-handedly that if most investors knew at least that process, then they bring something to the table, which is equal. You know, investors come to the table, most often not, they don't know anything about construction, therefore they don't trust anything. So then when they meet contractors who obviously that's what they know, they don't trust them. And it's not necessarily that the, the contractor might be being deceitful or lying or not transparent. It's at the end of the day, as an investor, you're hiring the contractor to come in and provide a service. And it's hard to hire somebody, right? if you don't even know what you're really looking for, if you don't even understand how the process works. So the production is all about setting up your scopes of work and your budgets and your, and your schedules. I think personally that at least at the very least if investors came to the table understanding the basic fundamentals, then there'd be trust from day one. And that's actually why the Rehab Depot is so successful on that level is we teach investors literally to look at the project way before you even start the project. Like look at it the way a contractor looks at your property, look at the problems, the risk, look at the financial, look at the budget, look at the scope. It's called production, getting prepared before demo day one, which in my, my whole experience, never have I ever had a client that uh, walked me through production, never, because they don't know it exists. And that's an actual fundamental process in construction period. You need to prepare. And I mean, think about it. What do you have? 30 days to close, right? So that means you have 30 days of production, which is not nearly enough time to plan for any project. You know, and, and then when you look at the analogy of a new custom home building, do you think it, it takes 30 days to plan that? Hell no takes like a fucking year 
you know, when you look at roads and bridges and, and all these things being built, you think they have 30 days to plan? No, man, this is years of development planning. So think of that logic when you're looking at setting up for a rehab. You need as much time as possible to prepare for these things. And really, you only get 30 days, maybe 45. So understanding how that process works will benefit the investor when they come to the table to work with a contractor who actually knows what they're talking about. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, man. I love the prep work. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm doing a development deal out here in the uh, the western suburbs of Chicago. And you're, I mean, it's literally been about a year and a half. And it's unbelievable how many things people just don't think about that go into everything. And when you start to look around, like you said, and you see the bridges, I start to now look at like the paperwork and the meetings and the adjustments and the fees. And I'm like, man, so much stuff goes into all that. Like it's, it's, a, it's a whole business in itself. But I know that that prep work, everybody, again, whatever person I'm talking to, they have somebody else that they think of as the person that's trying to take advantage of them. You know, like the realtors think it's the wholesalers, the wholesalers think it's the realtors, the investors think it's the contractors, the con like, so having that, that balance there, I think people get that because they watch these flip these house shows and the guys come in and they go, I bought this house. Let me see what happened. And then they walk in and they go, Oh my God, it needs everything. And that's like the main thing I get when people are starting to like, well, how do you know when you buy a house that you're not going to buy it? And then like the foundation's dead and all these things. So what's your opinion first off on how is those shows affected your business as a contractor and having to overcome all these unrealistic hurdles and how does somebody avoid that concern? What we, what would you say if somebody asked you that? I'll say back, back in the early days, the biggest problem was expectation. I think people watched TV and thought that they could just translate that into this. <laughs> and it's not, it's not even remotely close. You know, that's a fantasy, right? Um, it's like fucking porn. It's not real. <laughs> it's just not real. It's fun. It feels good, but it's not real. And that's what they look at when they see these shows. It's like, oh, I can do that. Well, yeah, you can. But at the end of the day, you need education. You need partnerships. You need people who understand what's going on. Maybe mentorship, maybe coaching, whatever. But people realize real quickly when they start losing money that, oh, this isn't easy. And then they realize real quickly when they're battling with contracts that, oh, this isn't easy. And when they start realizing that their scope of work was off, oh, this isn't easy. And when they're blowing their budget and they're blowing their schedule, oh, this isn't easy. Because what you watch was bullshit. That's why. So yeah, it affects the business. It affected, I believe, my opinion, it affected it more 10 years ago than it does now. I think, I think the last 10 years has been an, an incredible ride for many investors and contractors because rehabbing is so damn prevalent now. It's like real estate investing, real estate. I mean, that's probably the talk of the world is putting money in real estate. So I don't think any, I'll, I'll put it this way. There will always be people that, that will look at TV and think that's realistic. That's them. But I think the people that are actually in the game now truly know that that's just entertainment and that this is a real this is not a, i say all the time especially in my camps i tell students you're one of my students now i tell them i'm like listen this is not a fucking hobby this is a business and you need to treat it as such which means you need to learn about the business you need to understand the business and it's not the investment business you need to understand the construction business as well and that's why i always say listen tv's fun until you get in the grind and you start losing money yeah i agree man i again I, the, the biggest burn burns i've seen people take even when they get the numbers right when they try and save money on construction, I, mean, it, I don't care who it is, whether they're new or guys that are multi-multi-millionaires, the, the top dogs at the masterminds that I go to, yep. they still to this day say, if you're going to try and create an unrealistic expectation for what this budget is and think that you're going to do a $90,000 rehab for $50,000 and make the same amount of money and not have those types of problems, you're, you're, you're wrong. Like the rehab number is the rehab number. You have to adjust everywhere else or not do the deal. But I think too often people take that whole thing of like, well, you know, on, on flipping San Diego, they did it for 20,000. I'm just going to do the same thing. And then, you know, the contract. Yeah, people, to your point though, I think people just miss the idea. They don't understand that 
uh, you know, in construction, you have two, two time frames. You have projected and actual, right? So you're always projecting your start date and you're projecting your end date. You're always projecting your budget and you're always projecting the end budget. Budgets and schedules are moving targets in construction. They more than likely will never, ever end where you want it to end. And you need to plan accordingly to that. And that's why production is so damn important because you're analyzing all the risks of the what ifs that are going to present themselves. And they will best fucking believe they're going to fucking present themselves. So if you don't do the risk, you're going to pay for it later. But if you understand that it's a moving target, then you plan for the moving target. There should be no expectation or surprise like, oh, shit, we're off budget. Well, no shit, it's going to happen. But did you plan for it? Do you have a contingency? You know, did you really study this project to understand where the risks are? Because the risks are always in the things that are not in your scope. It's not the shit that's in your scope. It's the things that aren't in your scope. And if they're not in your scope, they're not in your budget. And if they're not in your budget, they're not in your schedule. And if they're not in your schedule, you're fucked. <laughs> that's very well said. So what, what are some things like, so the average deal, especially now in a hot market, people aren't getting those 30, 45 day due diligence periods like they used to. Things have to move a lot faster. So yeah. what's something somebody can do to help get that production on and try and hedge some of those risks prior when they have a smaller due diligence period for when they can actually close on the deal? First, learn production. It's four steps, right? When you've learned those four steps, then you can get those steps going faster. It's practice. Everything's practice. I literally just said this this morning on social media. It's all about practice. I actually just tweeted. I tweeted something to the effect of, uh, uh, like I said, something like me. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't train losers to become winners. I, I train winners to become more winning. Like, I want you to win more, right? That's the idea. And, and that's the whole analogy of what you're saying. It's more of, you know, you have to prepare. You have to understand that this is practice. Those four steps have to be just become instinct. You know, the reason why we're good, and I'm not saying we're great, we're good. There's no damn, I mean, there's no doubt about how good we are, but it's practice. It's, it's project after project after project and sticking to the system and the process and then refining the system and the process over and over again. I call it quality controlling the quality control. Just because I've got systems in place doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. It's got to be monitored just like every single project you do as an investor is different. They're not the same. You may buy in the same wheelhouse, right? Your buy box. You might buy and have the same uh, overall type of projects that you like bungalows, for example. And you know that your bungalow is always 65,000, give or take out the door for rehab. Great. You found a sweet spot, but every bungalow is different. I love that, man. And one of the things I thought was really cool is you were in a few different markets. We were just talking before about some other ones you're going into. And yeah. I was watching you with one of your clients that you went through, I think it was a garage that he was going to rehab. And you kind of threw yeah. out the numbers like, here's the concrete, here's the bathroom, here's the plumb, here's all the things yeah. you can do. Now let's get the contractor in here and kind of see how close he is and, and what his realistic costs are. From, yeah. from rehabbing around the country, I have found that there are differences, not only in some of the pricing, but the city has to me been one of the things that I look at and I go, you know what, this municipality is easy to work with and this one is not. So if I'm gonna do a rehab in this one, it's gotta be something that I don't need to pull permits, it's just cosmetic, whereas this one is a major pain. And like an example of it, like I think Cook County was one of the toughest. Dealing with the city of Chicago was a freaking nightmare like I had not okay. experienced before. So okay. when you're going around the country and finding these things, what are some things you look for that maybe somebody can say, don't even bother going to do like a heavy lift rehab in this market because the city's hard to work with, or these are things that you, you really wouldn't have those types of concerns. Good question, but I actually take a step back first. I don't, to answer your question, I'm not looking at it from a city problem per se, or um, the challenges that present themselves through permitting and financing all that stuff. I actually look at the experience level of the investor flipping. I don't care what market you're in. 
if your experience level is not where it needs to be based on a certain level of project that you've decided to take on, that's the risk. You, you become the risk. Dealing with the city is going to definitely be a nightmare because you have no fucking clue what you're doing. So stress goes up, anxiety goes up, right? And then all of a sudden that, that investor has uh, limited expectations because they're just freaking out and their expectations uh, are wrong. They're incorrect. Um, so I, to answer your question, I don't worry so much of the city first. I actually worry about the investor first. And then I say, okay, well, guess what? Uh, for example, I've got a client now that we're consulting here who's doing new construction for the first time. It's actually the home her, her and her husband want to live in. And it's a big ass house worth on square feet, right? They've never done it. They don't know the process. They hired us to kind of just consult them on really setting it up and, and, and they're using our network for financing and all these different things. And I simply said, how involved do you want to be? And she's like, I want to be very involved. Cool. No problem. I said, there's going to be some things you just can't be involved in. You got to step aside. You're good with that. She said, yeah. And it's been a smooth process so far. I mean, it is what it is, but that's the first thing I look at it. The first question I asked her when, when she called, I said, have you ever built a home before? She said, no. That takes me all the way down to preschool now. Now we're in preschool, right? That's the idea. You know, as a coach, as a mentor, as a trainer, I've learned that everybody has a different learning curve and different experience levels. I start with the person, right? If I've got experience, like, like I know Chicago inside out, it is a fucking thing. So if I got somebody who's investing in Chicago from out of state, I said, listen, have you ever bought a property in Illinois? Have you ever worked with Chicago? No. Okay. Have you ever rehabbed a house that, that's $250,000 in reconstruction costs? Have you ever rehabbed something that big? No. Okay. So we've got a lot of challenges, right? And, and that's why I always start with the person first. What's your experience level? Because your experience level is going to dictate your, your comfort level and your, your willingness to, to learn, compromise, and deal. I love that, man. And with the this all the time. They always say, like, you're in New York. They always say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. I, I agree. I always say, if you can do business in Chicago, you can do business anywhere. It's fair enough. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. Two very difficult places as far as uh, the people just not giving you the uh, – the information that you need up front and then making it harder with you on the back end, which, which is another interesting thing. So when you're looking at these different investors that are coming in now with the way we are right now with COVID and with everything, stuff was backed up. I think you and I had talked about this the last time we were on the phone, like our development deal, it took like, I don't know, it got put on the back burner for like nine months. So for people that had started some of those rehabs and they're trying to get permits, what are you seeing with your clients right now as far as you know, cities delaying rehabs because they're so backed up with just pulling permits and having meetings. And now, you know, like, oh, my stuff's been via Zoom and that it's just been a whole other mess that nobody's ever dealt with before. Well, I think it was, if you're talking about 2020, I think it was a little bit different in 2020 just because so many things were shut down, including cities. So there wasn't much you could do anyway. As they've opened up, yeah, they're backlogged, there's no doubt. But I mean, I'd say this all the time. I'm, I'm going to keep it real. Everybody knows what you see is what you get with me. As your coach and your trainer and your consultant, I have to tell you, follow the rules, right? File your permits. But as a contractor, do what you got to do to get that shit done at night and on the weekends. <laughs> you real. Fair enough. Awesome. Dealing with people just in general, what are some things that you would teach them to look at? Like, so if they're coming to you and they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking to go find some good contractors. Is there any like a couple of red flags that you would say, this is going to be something that comes up that I would say, don't work with this person, or this is something I would try and found, find out to say, okay, take the conversation further. Red flags uh, from an investor looking at a contractor? Correct. Yes. Uh, a couple of red flags would be obviously the communication level. Is it consistent? Is it fast? Right. Is it when you need it Two, um, are they lean happy? Do they talk about leaning people? I got guys, I got subs that talk about leaning all the time. I'm like, deuces, get the hell out of here. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
you know, you can often, I mean, I'm being honest. I mean, you can, you can really get a sense of who people are just letting them talk, let them talk shit. And, and, and that's one of the big things I've learned, especially in this industry. I mean, people, you know, they, there's so many people I'll, I'll come across that think I'm somebody I'm, I'm not. They think I'm this hard, bullheaded, like not bullheaded, but like just a, a real tough guy, right? And the reality is I'm not. I'm, not, I'm a nice guy. I just know this game inside out because I have a thick skin from being in this game, right? When you play ball in Chicago and you're a country in Chicago, you've done it for so many fucking years, bro. You don't put up a shit, right? And so that might, that demeanor might come out of me, but I'm actually a guy that's got a big heart and I want to help him. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing what I do now. I'd stick the contract until you guys go <laughs> figure it out yourself. But the reality is no, I mean, this game will, will, will give you a, a real thick skin if you let it. And then you have to understand how to maneuver that. So, you know, the questions that, that, that you're, you know, the question you asked to me, it's pretty basic. Let them talk. If they don't talk, that's another problem. But here's the other thing that, again, it goes back to education, right? It goes back to the original question you gave me, which was, what, what kind of situation would be good for an investor and a contract to like to, to start working together? It starts with asking better questions, right? For an investor to ask better questions of the contractor, however, they've got to know what questions to ask. And that's, that comes through education and experience. And I think, again, with what I said earlier in the conversation, it, that still rides in this, this, this question, because if you're asking better questions, then you're able to really see if this guy's the real deal, right? If you're asking questions like, you know, how many current projects are you doing? Um, you know, when's the last flip, you know, and where, how much was it? Where did you go? And then asking like realistic questions, like more than likely you were off budget and off schedule, but how bad was it? Right. Being honest about it. Like we know that you're probably going to blow the schedule because I'm probably going to blow the schedule. I know you're probably going to go over budget because there's always change orders. So let's talk about that stuff. how do you, how do you handle change orders? How did you handle this? You know, on the last flip, that seemed to be a big one. You said it was a hundred thousand dollar flip. Okay, great. Well, what kind of challenges did you face? You know, those are really good questions to ask a contractor because what are you guys really doing at the end of the day? You're trying to establish rapport. That's actually step number one in the production process. It's called pre-walk. It's not the sake of pre-walk to take your scope of work and go do the pre-walk. Yes, that's part of it. But the biggest piece of that is to establish rapport with the contractors that you're walking the house with for the first time. Because if you do that correctly and you establish that rapport and you ask questions like I just suggested, what are they doing indirectly? They're helping you finalize your scope of work. Right, because you're asking better questions, you're getting more comfortable. If they're answering the questions that you like, like you want to hear them, then you're able to say, "Okay, great. I, I, I'm feeling like I can trust this guy." Let me ask you a question, man. I got tuck pointing I got to do, but I don't really know how far to take it. You know, and I don't want to do ten grand in tuck pointing. Where do you think I should focus the most? It's going to pass code. Now you're asking better questions. Now you're establishing a report that contract. Now you're finalizing your scope of work, so you can go to step two, which is contracts. So there's a lot. There's a lot uh, of grooming in my opinion, as to why our value is so good, because we teach investors how to talk to us, right? By learning who we are, you can talk to me better. We can actually jive now, we can, we can communicate. And if you're asking me better questions, I'm finding confidence in you as the investor that A, I might get paid on time. B, you might've done this before. C, you have an idea that this is gonna be a challenge no matter how you slice it, because it's fucking rehab, right? That puts rapport and, and respect on both sides of the fence. And I think that's extremely, extremely important. So to answer your original question, it really starts with the investor asking better questions. I love that, man. I, I thousand percent agree too. And I, I think like you said, when it comes with experience, you learn from mistakes other people made or what were wrong in other jobs. You know, I, I've learned way more from rehabs that have gone wrong than gone right because, you know, that, that dialogue comes back and forth. And then you start to look at, you know, what is that contractor doing right? What makes a good contract? And you're able to repeat right. that process a little bit. But right. I love your, your flip on that 
about how it's not really about learning. It's about the other side. Like, how do you become more credible by asking better questions? And so I'll, I'll throw that back on you. When you're looking at that, that same conversation now, what are contractors looking at from us? Aside from experience, I know that, but like, there's a lot of people that are looking to get into game and they're terrified about contractors. Is there anything they could do to appear better or more knowledgeable or, you know, some of those hot buttons, like I know their biggest thing is like, is this person going to pay me if I do the work is obviously one of their biggest concerns. But for you starting out, what would be some things that would make you agree to work with a newer investor? Well, if I had a rookie that came to me, I, I would ask th those questions. And these are questions I asked even back in the day. Like I just, that was just me from experience. You know, when you start flipping a few hundred, you start, you learn, you learn a thing or two real quick about people. And, uh, the, the questions I would honestly ask are the same questions I'd ask now, which are, you know, have, have you, is this your first flip? How many flips have you done? You know, do you flip in this area often? Are you all over the city? Are you in the suburbs? It's almost like I'm interviewing the potential client, if you will. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think more contractors should do that, to be honest with you. But they, you gotta understand something about contracts. There's different levels to this game, right? You, you have the guys that are just fucking terrible, who couldn't, who couldn't paint a, a, a piece of trim. And you've got guys who are just excellent tradesmen. Right, the, just the skill is incredible. That's their craft, right? They're like they're like Picasso with what they do, and those are the guys that earn top dollar and they respect and they deserve top dollar, right? You, you, when an investor comes into the game, they have to understand, especially as a rookie, you have to understand you're paying for years of experience for something they can knock out in five weeks, right? That's what you're paying for, and that's what you want. <laughs> you want these guys to knock it out as humanly possible. You want to put it on the market, and make money, or rent it, and make money, whatever. But I think at the end of the day, the questions I would ask a new uh, investor would be the same thing. Have you flipped before? What size flips are you comfortable with? Um, you know, where did you learn how to flip houses? You know, I might know the guy or know the program. You know, for me, it's a little different because I'm, I'm really experienced. I'm, I'm well known. So I, I can tell you, like, if they say, oh, I learned through this or Renatus or Portugal, they're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I know the program. Great. You know, and that helps me kind of navigate because I know almost everybody's program. And I know all the big coaches in the game. So I know what they teach and what they don't teach. So I could ask better questions of what I know they haven't been taught. So I can say, okay, great. I know you haven't been taught formally how to create a scope of work. So let's talk about the scope of work. You know, do you have one? Have you thought about what that scope of work looks like? So it's really like more like a consultation uh, type meeting, if you will, of a good contractor asking you good questions. It goes both ways. Like you said, flip the script, right? So if you as an investor come to me with good questions, I in turn also have good questions. And those questions are extremely basic. Have you done this before? Do you have a scope of work in mind? Do you have a budget in mind? Um, you know, do you have a partner on this? How's it being funded? Right? These are these are questions that every country should be asking, and they have every right to ask. And there's so many investors who are taught don't share anything, which is stupid. Because do you think when you go to the consumer world, the retail, and you're going to do somebody's dream kitchen, that they're not going to tell you what they want, how it's being paid? Of course they're going to tell you. I'm taking a home equity line out, or I've got credit cards. Um, or I've been waiting for these cabinets for seven years. I'm, this is my kitchen. They're going to share with you everything the way you would. But in the investment side, they, they're like, so they're taught like to hold everything to the chest. So right off the bat, right off the bat, that's bad report. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, 
whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that, man. Because one of the things I, I've told for years for people I've worked with and students and all that, you could have a good contractor and you could be a good investor. But if you don't understand how to manage that relationship and manage that job, it's not going to work out well either way. And I think that that's a huge thing, especially now that people are doing things more remotely. There is no system of communication that's laid out. And I think that they don't look at how that contractor likes to communicate or they they don't get on the same page. Like, for instance, like one one guy you talk to, he wants to be on the phone all hours of the day, talking, 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 and then you're busy doing other stuff. You're a texter. You guys are not going to get along. And, you know, there is something to be said for personalities and gelling. And I think if you if you vibe with somebody, you communicate with, with well with somebody and you have that mutual respect, when those things do go wrong and you have those disagreements, they're going to get worked out better and it's going to help long-term for the relationship. From the contractor side, how important is it to you about how you communicate, how often you communicate, and how much about having rapport and actually liking the person that you're working with? So communication is important, like any, any relationship. But again, when you when you learn the production phase, that's where you're setting the tone for how you do business, right? As the investor, you're telling me, right? If I'm your contractor, you're telling me when when you want to talk, how often you like to talk, how you like to communicate, email, text, phone call, whatever. You should be telling me time of days that you prefer. Um, you know, when you plan on doing site visits, do I need to be there? That kind of thing. But you know, that's that that question to me is really based on sharing. I mean, the, the investor should have, again, it's not a hobby, it's a business. So the investor should 100% have all of this somewhere and be able to share this saying like, here's my deliverables, right? So it's no different than an investor saying, I need to get funding. Let me go find some money. And, and the investor's like, well, show me what you're buying. Like, what are we, what are, what are we funding here? Like, have, is this, you know, what are the colors? What is, give me some uniformity here. What are you, you know, that's, it's the same difference. So you should have deliverables for contracts. This is how you get paid. This is when I like to walk houses. Here's my expectations. Here's our standard products that we like to use. Here's our colors, right? You should have all that outlined. And that should be something you share with every single contractor, every single job. You should have your own design board. You should have your own skew list, everything prepared. This is a business, not a hobby. You don't fly by the seat of your ass when you flip a house. You're stupid. Just give me the money then. Because that's all you're doing. You're wasting fucking money. Just give it to me. Send it over. You know, I'll help you with that. I'll put it in my account. You know why? Because you're an idiot. Think about what I'm saying. If you're not prepared, like a business, what the fuck you doing, right? And that goes back to what I'm saying. So ultimately be prepared and have those deliverables there. And if you don't have deliverables, start sitting down and creating those. Start thinking about what, what, what does my flip look like, right? What is my colors? What's, what's my thing? What's my look? What's my style? And then build it out from there. And in the production phase, when you meet these guys, right? This is why you the production phase is simple as this. It's pre-walk, contract period, pre-con, which is, pre-construction meeting, all hands on deck at the house. And then the final week, the final step is basically your financials and you're reviewing the budgets to make sure all paperwork's good to go before demo day one. So if you've done everything correctly and you've done the report and then in step two, you've sent the contracts out and the scopes of work and all that's done. Then in step three, this is where this comes into play. This conversation right here where we're talking at the property, it's that speak now for a golden piece type conversation where it's like, okay, 
Um, I want to make sure that you understand that you're going to be paid on Fridays and I need invoices done. I need invoices on Wednesdays by noon so I can do my trial inspection on Thursday and get you paid by Friday. That's a process. That's real. That should be on paper. It should be documented. It should be shared in the scope of work with your contractor. Every bit of information you can give your contractor in the very interim up front will alleviate your time so that you have freedom during the flip because you have other stresses to worry about. You have three phases of construction, your production, construction, and closeout. The production is all about the setup. If you don't set it up, construction is going to be a nightmare. Project management is going to be a nightmare. And this is where you're going to start going back saying, oh, well, I told you we get paid on Fridays. That's not a process. That shit should be documented and shared and signed. And that goes, that's all part of your contract paperwork and stuff too. Now, this is, dude, I can go on forever. You're going <laughs> to learn all this shit, by the way. No, that's awesome, man. And again, I, I think that we're, we're, we're hitting the same themes in a lot of the podcasts that I do, that communication and expectation solves a lot of problems in life and in business in general. And I think exactly what you said is so valuable because that, that expectation, I don't think anybody has those conversations up front of even, hey, what do you expect of me? Am I bringing the scope of work? Am I bringing the materials? Are you? And like, they'll just send somebody out and go, hey, Roddy, do me a favor, man. Go look at this house and tell me how much to fix it. And you go, yeah. I don't know, man, between a hundred bucks and a million bucks. Like, do you want to knock it down? Do you, you know, and they don't give any sort of idea. Whereas, you know, providing comps and then having that conversation as far as like the materials and, and then seeing like, Hey, you know, I, I have granite, but it's not this exact one, but it's close. And I get a good deal on it. You know, I think some of that comes back and forth, but I think what you just said, everybody needs to take note of because having the conversation up front for what's expected of each party will keep a lot of those things from falling through the cracks and, and the miscommunication is going to cause anger and mistrust and all those things later on, man. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, a follow-up to that is um, when dealing and communicating with contractors, is there anything that people are, are making that might piss them off? Like for instance, I, I will hire a project manager on top of that to babysit the contractor. So I basically have like my, my general contractors watching the subs and then I have a, a second set of eyes coming watching the general contractor. But I have to set up that conversation delicately because if I just jump into it, they get offended. Like what are some like rookie things for breaking the trust between them that maybe somebody should look out for or find a better way to set up with that communication phase? One, not holding in meetings. Two, not following through with what you say. And three, providing no leadership, right? Remember, you hired me for a service. So what do you want to do, right? What's your scope? What's your budget? What's your time frame? What are your colors? What's your style, right? How do you like to communicate? Goes back to you. So that's the biggest problem is your lack of preparation is going to be the biggest problem you're ever going to have throughout the entire project. Because if you're not preparing your business to communicate with who you hire, then you're not prepared to even do construction. It's like hiring, it's like being a Fortune 500 company and hiring somebody and there's no onboarding process, there is no HR and there's no training. What are you doing? How are they gonna find success? They're not. So the first thing that happens, contractors don't worry about having project managers. At the end of the day, you know what a GC is? A GC is a project manager. That's what you're paying them for. The GC rarely is actually on the job and investors need to realize that. You're actually hiring a paper GC to manage a smaller crew. You want that GC to be able to be available to you. That's what you want, right? But then you have the expectation that you're going to pay a premium for that because the GCs pay for that oversight. And the reality is that oftentimes they're not very good at it. So that's why you got to provide that oversight. You got to learn how to do that so that you're managing the GC, not the job site. You're paying the GC to manage the job site. So understanding your role in that equation is very significant. Again, that'll build trust, but it also hurt trust. If you're trying to like dig in on something you have no business being in, involved in, right? How are you going to manage a job site if you never manage a job site? How are you going to manage people if you've never managed people in construction, right? How are you going to talk to these guys? How are you going to get the respect and loyalty, right? That's why I'm the way I am. 
That's why my demeanor and my delivery is the way it is. When it comes to construction, I don't fuck around. They know at the moment I come on, I'm the alpha. It's not to be, it's not to be a dick, but I'm the alpha. I got a process. Let's roll. You want to make money? We'll make money together. You don't want to make money? Go to that pool. But that's the backbone that this business will create for you if you take it and use it to your advantage. But it's all about preparation. I'm always prepared. I love I that. Literally, always look at everything. Probably too much. I just told my wife the other day. I'm like, dude, I overthink shit. <laughs> this is who I am. I I overthink everything, and at the end of the day, usually works to my advantage because I'm always thinking of all angles. You touched on something. It all, dude. You're like, let me uh, let me cross that that T too. <laughs> you know, it's it's I think an important point that you said. Like, hey, if you don't want to make money, go find the other guy. I have found that a lot of investors, especially newer ones, they think cheaper is better. And some of the guys that I've sent out to look at my jobs, you know, the, the Craigslist guys that come in and they go, oh, this guy told you 50, I'll do it for 20. And then they're surprised when the, the work doesn't get done and look like they thought it was going to look. So is there places that you recommend people go to look for contractors? Because I've heard good and bad things about the Angie's list and the thumbtacks and all those different things. No, at the end of the day, that's the problem. There is no, there is no grade scale. There is no secret sauce. I don't, I don't care who the hell you are. Oh, I know how to talk to contractors or find contractors. Good. It's called Google. Okay. Just Google your contractor. It's not difficult. This is this in today's day and age, everybody flips houses. Every contractor has done a rehab. <laughs> All right. So it's like, who, who are you looking for? What you're looking for is to establish trust with an A-level, B-level guy. And you'll know you have an A-level, B-level guy by their appearance, their presence, their communication, their structure, and their organization. For you to find all that information out, you got to ask better questions. That's simple. It goes right back to everything I said. If you're prepared, then you can ask better questions. Those questions don't get answered the way you like it. Next guy. As a contractor, are you offended if an investor says, hey, I appreciate you going over there and looking at that, but I have to get a couple of backup bids? No, because that's, that, that's part of the game is every country should expect that you're competing for bids. You know, I've always said this. I've always said that I've always been an athlete my entire life, right? So I had that athlete mentality, that, that competitive drive. So I always said, well, I, I'm obviously no longer an athlete, right? I'm, I own a business, but this is my sport now. And I practice this shit every day. So to go back to your point of competing against bids, I made sure we were so good and that our brand was so in your face that nobody got a bid on us. They would just hire us and say, "Can you? Do, I just, I just want to work with you. That was respect. We earned that shit. So for any contractor out there that's listening to this, you want to be the best, do, then make yourself the best. Like stand out, do what you brand yourself, do something that, that obviously deliver on your skills set, deliver on what you do. You're going to fail. It happens. We make mistakes all the time, but be consistent with what you're trying to do and continue to grow as well as a contractor. But if you can get to a certain level, people will hand you shit, right? They always say, stop chasing the money. Just focus on the quality and the money will chase you. Shit's real. I never believed it. This shit's real. I get calls all the time randomly about, hey, I want to join your program or, hey, I want to take this class or, hey, can you come to my brokerage and teach our agents uh, how to work with investors and project management? These are things I had to, to, to like die for, right? And then you get to a certain point where now you, you earn that right to kind of sit back a little bit and let it come to you. But that doesn't mean I have to sit and chill and not continue to grow. I got to continue to grow too and study this market. It's changing all the time. You know, the, the video I did this morning was talking about uh, longer lead times and higher material costs. How to, how to combat that? And I said, I don't care if you're an investor, consumer, or a contractor. The, the key to this is production. That means order your materials in advance. Prepare your schedule and timelines in advance while those materials are on lead. Don't wait to say, okay, I, I want to start my project Monday and then order materials. 
like most investors do, they don't realize that certain things need lead time. Sometimes it's windows, sometimes it's cabinets, sometimes it's flooring, depending on what you're putting in your house. And this is why investors must continue to educate themselves, just like contractors to understand what's happening in their world, right? In the last month, two months, lumber went nuts. For those contractors who didn't prepare for that, they're underbidding everything. Now you're going back to your client like a fool saying, oh, we got to do a change order. Well, your client's like, even I knew lumber was fucking hot. I wondered, <laughs> I wondered about this budget. It seemed a little low to me. So my point is, these are things that it's, it's a mutual, um, it's, it's, it's universal, dude. I mean, if you're going to be in this business, I don't care if you're the financer, if you're the funder, if you're the investor, if you're the contractor, you're the agent, you need to study construction. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely practice what I preach there. You know, I think I've, I've paid easily probably 300,000 plus in education over the last 10 or 15 years. And it's something I will always do because there's always something you can get better at. And for me, when I look at stuff, especially like with these new builds and things like that, that we're doing, it's, it's silly to not try and educate yourself on construction because that's where, I mean, literally whatever you pay for it, if you're saving that on efficiency or speed or quality on one job, it's, it's, you know, it, it pays for itself. You know, obviously I'm not, I'm not working on commission here for you. I, I truly believe that. And that's why I joined your program. And I've always been a big believer in educating yourself, especially on the construction side, because I see so many people lose their ass and their properties from mismanaging construction jobs. Yes. hundred percent. I agree. I mean, it's this great. is, uh, it's very, it's a very significant aspect that's overlooked. A lot of people, the way we've developed, I mean, cause even our program is developed numerous times it's been changed over time all the time like the program we have now is so new never done before we're gonna do it in july but that's the evolution of us trying to accommodate what's happening in the market and it's us trying to stay afloat with what's actually the current trends in the game and economic trends and market all this shit right you never stop growing so my point is i'm living proof that we're continuing to evolve we're never content we can't be content that, that means you can't be content you, you have to evolve if this is what you choose to do for a living, you need to understand all aspects of the game. When I was contracting 100% of the time, we studied funding. We studied what hard money was. We studied what private money was. We studied how uh, homes are reviewed. We studied ARVs. We learned real estate investing so that I could serve the investor better, right? That wasn't my wheelhouse at that time, but I studied their side of the fence. So I understood who's coming to me. I understood my client base. And the irony was over the years, they didn't join me on my side until we created the rehab depot. Now they're opening the gate and coming on in because we're the only game in town at the level that we do it. Are there guys out there teaching construction? I'm sure there are. Are there guys trying to teach rehab in their, in their investment programs? I know they are, that's fine. But even the biggest coaches out there call me and say, what would you do in this situation? And I'm not gonna name drop them because those are my boys. <laughs> we know a lot of them. And at the end of the day, that's mad respect to me. I, I appreciate that because I know what they're teaching and a lot of it they're getting from me. And I have no problem with that. You got a question, I'm there to help you. Because at the end of the day, when you are the game, you are the game. But as, as the game, I have to make sure that I'm giving you guys 100% of actual factual shit, which means I got to study day in, day out. Rewrite manuals, rewrite books, rewrite camps, material, um, and come up with bigger and better solutions. That's, this is my business. This is my sport. This is my game. Man, I got to tell you how much I appreciate that because the industry, I probably every industry, but I know it's, especially in the real estate education industry, there's a lot of people that are teaching out of the books from 20 years ago still. And the fact that you're constantly trying to evolve, especially in times like this with COVID, says a lot about why you will remain on top while other, other people become extinct. And I would like to dig deeper, talk about the Rehab Depot and the courses you have coming up, which I'm going to be a part of coming up in, uh, I think about what, five, six weeks now? I would say 40, 
I don't know, 50 days. Like that. <laughs> I got to look at the, I got to look at the, I got a timer. I got to look at the timer. I want to say maybe 48 days. I don't even know. But uh, no, man. So uh, over the years, we had different things. We had the, we, had, we still have the online academy, which people can just log in on their own and study like college and take courses. You have access to it 24 seven. Um, and then, you know, we were doing five, six, seven different boot camps a year between Chicago and Florida. And don't get me wrong, I love boot camps, but it, it's, it can be daunting at times to set these things up. And, um, you know, we kept them nice and, and intimate with like, you know, we do, we put a max of 50 people in a room and then we do virtual stuff like that because I, I like to like literally work with people at these camps. I want to meet everybody, remember your name, remember your market, because people come from all over the country and I want to know what your biggest challenges are. And I want to connect with somebody in a room. And the cool thing about our camps, because in our, basically our program in general, because we're the only ones that teach rehab construction, all of our students are different levels, right? We don't have like beginner level or intermediate or season. You'll be in a room with a guy doing 300 flips a year and you've never done one. And you're learning the same shit from ground one, ground zero, which I think is incredible. And that's what's very unique about our camps. I've, I've been a part of every mastermind. I see all the guys. I've been a part of every you know camp. I've gone to different camps for this, that, and the other. And at the end of the day, it's usually serving the same level of person, right? Our camps in our education is open. Right. Anybody can join it because you, unless you are a master of construction, doesn't matter what level you are, right? Everybody's starting at the, at the, at the starting line together. Right? And it, it doesn't matter when and where you finish because construction, like real estate investing, is a lifetime of education. You're going to learn this forever. This is your game, right? So you're going to practice. So the idea with us is uh, we were, I was trying to figure out, like, how can I, how can I really, really minimize camps and focus more and I said you know I started looking at a lot of our students questions and a lot of our students questions were things that we weren't teaching that we can teach but we weren't teaching our bread and butter has always been project management everybody knows in the world that we teach project management right how to project manage construction and that put us on the map without question but at the end of the day there's so much more that we know and there's so much more we can teach so we decided I spent actually the last part of COVID I was like let me build a curriculum that's never been done before I want to build a construction program um, and I started realizing in doing that, it's 20 modules, right? It's 20 chapters. It's 20 different topics. And it's, it, what it is, is I took the rehab depot construction model, put it into education and anybody can learn this in 10 weeks flat. You're going to go from nothing to elite. You're going to have my entire model. They start, it, we're starting with legal and law. We're starting with insurances and bonds. We're starting with the basics of starting the business. Because I realized over time, a lot of our students have so many different questions that had nothing to do with project management. How to frame, you know, what kind of siding should I use? You know, how to measure, just crazy shit, right? And I said, we could teach that, right? No problem. So we spent months putting it together and done. And now we have our first session. It's July 1st, it goes till September. And the way I've done it, and I, I dude, I rack my brain on this, how to, how to deliver this, right? And what we came up with is what I think is pretty cool. So we have a 10 week program, it's 20 topics. Each topic is held twice a week. So I'm sorry. Sorry, I don't, want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Each topic is a two-hour session live virtual. It's all virtual. So think of it like this. You have, you're paying for 20 virtual camps. You're going to learn this virtually. It's on Thursdays and Fridays. Each are two-hour sessions. You have 20. So we're just going to do it in 10 consecutive weeks, two classes a week, that kind of thing. And at the end of it, you're done. You're going to get certified. We're going to do one major camp in Florida at the end of the year. It'll be in December. So for every quarter, because we're doing this four times a year, 10 weeks each quarter, right? So it's four times a year. That's it. At the end of the year, for everybody who are in all the, the, uh, the, the different sessions, they all come to camp, you'll get your certificate. And then we'll go through and do a whole as a group. It'll be cool because there'll be hundreds of people. 
we'll go through the education one final time as a review and you get certified. And I thought to myself, how unique would that be if we could pull that off? And obviously I've yet to see it being pulled off and we're going to pull that shit off. Right. So our first session is July 1st. It's on the, it's on the, uh, the market now. And I actually, uh, I have changed the price tag on it a little bit. I've, I've dropped down the price. We did really well. We did like a little $500 special for, uh, what day was it? I was feeling generous. And I said, I said, Oh, if you want to just buy it for $500, click on this link. The first five people get in. And it obviously was a hit. And I said, you know, the, the, the education out there, in my opinion, doesn't have to be super expensive. I think for the past 15, 20 years, people are paying 50K for this and 40K for that. And I'm thinking that's insane. And to me, I was like, you know, I look at the value of what we have and I thought, you know, I don't have to charge crazy money when you're in a game in town, right? Think volume. In my mind, a volume is the way we flip houses. I, I thought, okay, we're only going to make 10, 15% on this each flip. But if I did 100 a year, we're good. Volume. And that's how, as conjurers, we blew up. We were doing 100 flips a year because I thought 10% is fine, but I got to do 10 a month, right? What is what it is. So I thought the same thing with our education program is minimize the cost, put more people in it, give more people value, and it'll be there. And that's what we've done. So, yeah, our 10-week our program is badass, man. It's going to be fun. It's all going to be conducted live with me virtually, and I look forward to getting that thing done. We have Thursdays and Fridays, I believe, 10 to 12, um, and it's each week for 10 weeks. Awesome. We're going to cover everything in construction. By the end of it, you're going to be like, all right, I know a thing or two. How do they find out if they want to go register, if they want to get some information on it, they want to sign up? Yeah, yeah. So DM me. DM me. I have, we have private landing pages that we created. So it's not even on our Rehab Depot webpage. We actually created separate landing pages because we're changing. I mean, again, we're growing as well. So our marketing is changing. Uh, the way we conduct business is starting to change a little bit. Um, and the two major things that we're focusing on right now is the consulting that we do, where I work one-on-one with companies all across the country. And then we have this 10-week program, which we're focused on. So um, if you want to learn more about our program, just DM me, Ryan Roddy Garcilazo or go to the Rio Depot and, and DM me, go on Instagram uh, and DM me, Roddy, the, I don't know what it is, Roddy, the legendary flipper that's been around for a while. Just DM me, I'll send you the private link and you can log in. We took the price tag from 4K all the way down to 997 permanently. So from 4,000 to 997. For 997 for 20 live camps, you'd be stupid not to take advantage of that because I might actually change the price tag up. We'll see how it goes. Nice, man. So, and anybody listening, I'll, I'll have those notes in the show notes. So you could just click on them and I'll have all the social media, all the links to the website. Okay. You can just jump on there, man. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it for sure. Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833 632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. I know you're getting tight on time. This last thing I like to do here is I call it the victory lap, where we just kind of wrap up a couple of final questions and okay. kind of roll out now. Um, one of the first things being, I know Ryan the Roddy, I am a huge dog guy. One of my favorite dogs I ever had was my Rottweiler, Damien, 
who was the best. And everybody was always terrified of him, but he was like the, the biggest mush ever, man. Where did the name Roddy come from? Are you, a, are you a Rottweiler dog fan? See this guy right there? Yeah, there you go. That's my, that's my boy Ozzy. He passed away, so I had him painted. So yeah, I live for these dogs. These dogs are the real deal. And I actually got the nickname Roddy from a client in Detroit, actually. Um, he had a guy, I came in to consult this company, cool dude, Alvin, and he had his VP whose name was Ryan. And we'd be in the office working, and I'd come into town for whatever. And he would say, hey, Ryan, we book a what? And he, it was funny. He was like, uh, I don't know how he said it. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, he goes that's my Ryan. He goes, you're Roddy because you're kind of an asshole. And he is not. And I said, perfect. I like that. And it stuck ever since. And I thought to myself, Brandon, Brand Roddy. And it blew up, dude. I mean, again, I'm not in the game of marketing, but I'm in the game of marketing. Right? Marketing is a very massive piece of my business it's, it's everything i spend more time marketing now than i ever did before and we were probably one of the first countries in chicago that started showing flips on videos i mean i'm talking 10 12 years ago we were showing these flips inside like and i was just sharing them to show all the fuck-ups we were doing i'm like man we got that beam wrong like i didn't care and it, it just became one of those things where that i think i think i entered at the right time when social media really was becoming that 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 content heavy not like it is now. Now it's insane. But I think I started getting in there and I got comfortable doing it. And then we started getting a following. Then like HGTV started calling and TV shows started calling. I'm like, all right, there must be something to this. But then the money started coming in. Clients started coming in. I realized, okay, great. Like our video content is our lead check. So when, when he came up with Roddy, I thought, boom. I said, that's huge because I am Roddy. At the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a big ass dog. There's no doubt about it. I'll bite the shit out of you if you're going to be mean to me. But I'll also be loyal to you just like a Rottweiler will. I'll lay at your feet. So as a coach and as a mentor, I thought that parallel was huge. I was like, yes, get, put your best dog in the fight. Let's roll. I got your back. I love that, man. Talking about social media too, obviously you're doing really well at branding yourself. I heard you talking on a couple other podcasts about how if you're going to brand yourself out there and put yourself out there on social media, you have to have thick skin. Um, did okay. you develop that through construction? And how are you handling that now? Because I know it's, it's, it's easier some days than it is others to you know take some of those comments on the chin, man. You know, the haters gonna hate. You need them. Let them. Let them do what they have to do. Because at the end of the day, not everybody's your fan anyway. Everybody that follows you is not your fan. Everybody that likes your shit and gives you hearts, they're still not your fan. And, and one of the things I've always lived on is I've always been a confident guy, so that wasn't really a problem for me. Um, the thick skin just makes it even easier. Because I'd be like, dude, I'll fucking punch you in the mouth. <laughs> just stop. And, and I always said, I'm like, dude, I'm a cool dude. I said, but we might catch each other in an event. Then what are you gonna do? Then what are you gonna say? Because I don't, I don't care what my peers actually think if I hit you in the mouth. They probably expect that, right? I know my audience. That's the difference in branding is I know my audience where other people have to be fake gurus because they're trying to sell a fake lifestyle or whatnot, right? Look at my office. Like I shut the floor. I'm not trying to sell myself like I'm living in a fucking high rise, right? I got a great house, don't get me wrong, but I'm not living in downtown Chicago with the skyline behind me and gold accents on my wall, right? I got contracts that I've written on napkins behind me, right? That shit's real. Every I, I, I had this weird, crazy thing where I could come to agreements in hotel restaurants and I, <laughs> I make agreements on napkins. I frame that shit once they sign a deal. I have tons of these. No, I, it's, branding is everything. However, you need to be the real deal. And again, the haters are gonna hate you. need them, you want them. I love them. Hi, haters, I love you guys. Like. You're my favorite. And I'm good with that. And, and I always say, listen, people are going to hate on the unknown. People are going to hate on what they perceive. Um, but I have to, 
I, I will be optimistic enough to, to say that I think over the years, I have more fan base than haters, to be honest with you. I think more people have respect for me because I keep it real. And I think more people are like, this motherfucker's real. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I know who my audience is. I'm an acquired taste. I'm not for everybody. I won't work with every investor in the world and they won't work with me. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, I will bring value to those who need it. And those that like what I have to offer, the way I look, the way I speak, the way I talk, God bless you. Let's work. Let's roll. If you don't, keep watching. Fair words, man. I know you're still Um, watching. Do you have any tips for firing a contractor? Because again, that's another thing that I think people let them stay on too long when they need to pull the plug. When you think you have to fire them, start making that move, meaning plan for that. So there's actually a process of terminating. I'm not going to try to get into all of it because it's actually a manual I wrote. But think of it this way. In a, in a nutshell, if you know you're going to fire somebody, then do it. But prepare for it. So I'm just trying to think how to expedite this combo. Take your, your current draw schedule. Let's just use two weeks as a measure. You pay every other Friday. Kind of and let's just say the contract gets 10 grand every other Friday or five grand a week, whatever. Start looking at the last time they got a draw. So let's say they're a week in from the last draw. They're five grand into the possible next draw. Then stop there, right? Don't let them work on the project. And what you need to do is you need to find a lien waiver. I don't care what state you're in. You need to find a lien waiver so they don't come back to you and say, oh, you didn't pay them money. Fire them. Because they're going to leave the shit out of you. It happens. So what you want to do is you want to take that final payment and you want to cut it in half and make them the offer and say, listen. So for example, if it's a $10,000 draw that they consistently seem to get and you know they're, they're a week into a two-week pay period, then stop it at the five at, at that one week. They have five. I would cut that in half and offer them twenty five hundred to go home. Say, listen, bro, it's not working. It's cool. Uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I need a lien waiver. I'm gonna give you forty eight hours to get your shit out. I'm gonna have somebody else come in. I'm gonna offer you twenty five hundred dollars for this lien waiver. Do we have a deal? Now, there's a lot more to it, but I'm trying to give you a nutshell that it comes down to the economics, understanding where you're at, cutting it off, making an offer, getting it signed, go home. And then obviously you're preparing and you're changing lockboxes and you're, you're having other contractors walk in and you're looking at, because the idea is, remember this in construction, it, it costs money to remand jobs. You don't realize that. And when a contractor has to take over another person, which they don't like to do, and it's very hard to find, right? You, you're going to get like a 20% premium because it's like hiring me. I got to go, I don't know what this guy was thinking. I got to go in there and figure out where they left off, was it done correctly? Am I taking on the liability? Do you have a real bad sour taste with this guy that I got to now deal with? And you're going to not trust me. Like there's a lot of bullshit I got to come in and deal with. Right. So you have to think about that from just a, a, a personality perspective, a human level is you're bringing somebody into a problem. So guess what? If I'm really going to take on your problem, cause it's not my problem. If I'm going to take on your problem, you get paid for it. So adjusting the draw and making an offer is very, very important because you're going to need as much of your budget, if not more, to get this thing restarted. And best believe whatever budget you think you have to finish is not going to be the one you have to finish. That's why contingency and risk analysis in the production phase is so important because of times like these. Did you save enough money for the bullshit? I love that, man. You did a great job of expediting that. Obviously, I know that that could be in 30 different one-hour yeah. discussions in itself, but sure. that was a great, great condensed answer. I appreciate it. Um, last yeah. question is, knowing what you know now about life and business, what advice would you give a younger you today? say grind 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 work 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 find that talent make sure the world needs that talent and work like hell to get that talent out to the masses but never forget 
to sacrifice your health and your family while doing it. That's my advice to a young buck because that's going to happen. It happened to me. It happens to everybody I know. You sacrifice your health. You, I think people have seen my post recently about how I finally got back in shape. And throughout that process, I blew up like 100 pounds because all I did was work, 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 work. I, I stopped taking care of me. I took care of everybody else, but I stopped taking care of me. Um, and what happens when you start taking, losing, losing yourself, you lose other people too. These people are like, what's going on? Fuck. And all of a sudden, you start looking and saying, is all this success or these wins worth it? You know? So my advice to a young buck is you have to put the work in. I don't care who you are. If you've got a gift, bring it to the world. If you've got to learn it, learn it, and then bring it to the world. But you're going to have to work 24 7, 365 to get that thing out there. Take care of yourself while doing it. Make sure that your health is a priority and your family's a priority. Great answer, man. Lastly, so how do people find you? I know you talking about Instagram. I'll, I'll put the uh, I'll put the notes on there. I know rehabdepot.com. You got Instagram and any other favorite places for people to look for you and connect. Man, I'm all over, dude. You can Google the shit out of me. But the reality is, if, if you really need contact, I'll even give you my calendar link. You guys can calendar call for a free consultation. We'll talk about anything you got. I got investors to call maybe six, seven times a day. I don't know. And they've got a project they just put under contract or something like that. And they've got questions. And then we talk to them and we consult them for free. And then we bring them into the academy and they start learning while they're going. You know, that's really what our program is all about is think of us like IT support, right? Your computer goes down, you call the department, we come out, we fix it. That's what we are now. So think of us as your rehab support. You can call us for anything. We'll put you in the program and you learn as you go. And you can work with me one-on-one if you want to take that package. You can just take the courses. I don't care. But we have whatever you need. Um, and that's, that's really what it is. You can contact me. My, I'll give you my cell number. You can text me. I, dude, I'm an open book. I really am. Awesome, man. I love that. Well, this has been awesome. I appreciate all the uh, all the nuggets, all the feedback, and all the experience you're sharing with us. Uh, I see why you and uh, my buddy Billy Alvaro get along very well. You're both straight shooters. I yep. love the, the New York That's Chicago. Why. That's why. He is New York. I'm Chicago. We are we are karma karmic brothers. <laughs> we, uh, no, he's a badass dude, man. I have mad respect for Billy. He has respect for me. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. So you you definitely bring your A game to everything, man. I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm looking uh, forward to taking your boot camp. Any final thoughts before I let you go? No, man. I guess my final thoughts for anybody listening to this or watching this is, is understand that your, your, your current situation is not your final destination. Remember that. If you're struggling right now in anything, personal life, business, rehabbing, anything, your current situation is not your final destination. Great words, man. This has been awesome for me, man. I'm looking forward to it. Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo, have a great day, man. Deuces. So what's this?